What up, what up, what up, y'all? It's your man, Kevin Mack, and I'm back with another episode of Kevin Mack Video Podcast. Today, we got Big U. The Big U series begins today. Don't forget, you can check us out on YouTube at Kevin Mack Videos. Provided by the one and only Digital West, specifically for Kev Mac Video. Shout out to Digital West. Shout out to all the Macheads and Maniacs that's listening on the podcast. I appreciate you. And now, Big U Part One. Hold on, Big U. Oh, we want all the names. A Big U, Hannibal, anybody uh, unique. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Dante draws. You know, commonly known to my family is Big Draw. If you would like to patronize the channel so we can continue to bring you content, you can cash out me at Kev Mac Videos or PayPal.me slash All Hood Publications. Tell us where your mother and father came from. My mother and father migrated. Well, my mother and father originated from Columbus, Mississippi. Um, my father, me and my mother, my mother was in college. I think they kind of knew each other growing up. My father was a hustler. You know what I mean? He really was getting his money. Um, he got some got into some shit, I guess, in the in the game in uh Mississippi. He left Mississippi and went to uh went to uh Chicago. So he was in Chicago and after he was in Chicago for a while, he came back to get my mother, proposed to her. And um when he went to Chicago, from the story I'm told, the rest of my family, my mother's family, eventually migrated to Chicago. My father was, uh, uh, from what I'm told, you know, a little bit what he say, he was hustling with Jeff Ford and all them back in the days with with, uh, with the original boys out of Chicago. And uh, from Chicago, my mother and my father broke up. And in, I was born in 66. So she came out here in, in the middle of 66. I think I think she says she was probably six months pregnant when she, when she came to California. She had me shortly after that. But then my, she had my other sister, so uh, I'm my mother's first kid being born out here. I'm probably the second or third kid, and our whole family be born in California. Where'd you guys land at when you made it to L.A.? Um, 81st and Hoover. The whole family lived right there in that area. Like, uh, my mom lived on 81st and Hoover. My auntie lived on 80th and Hoover. Uh, we was all up and down Hoover. Everybody was they all up and down Hoover. Some lived on Midlow. On, on Miller Street, some lived up. It was just all around that area. We didn't live too far away. And there wasn't that many blacks at that time in in the early 60s really coming west, coming past western. Let's go back just for one second. Where did your parents meet at? In, uh, not Biloxi, but they met somewhere in Mississippi. Somewhere They met in Mississippi, but I'm not sure exactly where. So did she go to Chicago with him? 
No, he went to Chicago first. My, my father went to Chicago first, and my mother came back, came after him. My mother was in college. Out of 13 brothers and sisters, my mother was the only one that went to college. She went to college playing basketball. She was an athlete. How do you end up from over there on 81st to over here on Arlington? We got to Arlington, my Uncle D. My Uncle D and my Uncle Willie. My Uncle D got a job at 7-Up, working for 7-Up. And uh, after he got the job at 7-Up, he bought the house in the early 70s right here on Arlington. My other uncle bought a house on 58th or 59th and, um, Broadway, I mean, on Buttline, 50, 58th and Buttline. And so we started coming, they started coming from the east side, more, more, we, it was still the west side, but coming from, from, um, from over there on Hoover and start coming this way. And that was brought us here. He was the first one to buy a house on Arlington. Once we landed on Arlington, it was it was a wrap. So once your uncle buys property on Arlington, how many kids did he have? How many cousins, uncle, if any, did you have living on Arlington? My uncle, my uncle D, we call him Bill. We, we, we call him Bill sometimes. But he moved, when he moved on Arlington, it was he bought a duplex. And so my auntie Sue lived on one side of duplex. He lived on the other side. Sue had three sons. Big Chili Capone, Benzo Jeff, and then Samaje, or we call him Lil Rat. You know what I mean? And then um, Slim, Big Slim, and Lil Slim lived on the other side. Those are D sons. And then the last out of the boys would have been Marvin. We call him Legs. Is that the duplex behind you? Yeah, that's the duplex, man. That's that's where we that's where we that's where it all started for us. And we used to have big picnics right there. We used to have um Family functions. I mean, we live right here, man. I remember I watched Jack Nobody's go from being literally a small box, like with just some burners in Jack Nobody's, and then they start building and start expanding. I remember it was literally on that property, man. You could you could stand in Jack Nobody's and touch the walls on how big it was. And so when you, when you say uncle, that's your that's your mom's brother. That's my mother. Oh, uh, my, he's older than my mother. Let me let me throw a name out there. When you stayed on Hoover. 81st. Who's Big Miz? Big Miz is my um he he from our family out the 90s. So that's that's um our family through Janie, through my uncle's my uncle's wife. So that's that's our that that's how our family line through them. My dad, I mean my mother and my my mother and Slim Nim are actual brothers. Then they married into our family. And that's how we grew up under Miz from nine up. So, so did Miz function with the family? No, Miz was older than us. Miz was Miz was six, seven years old. Miz six, seven years older than me. Or no, Miz got to be more older than us. Miz was like one of those you looked up to. Like Miz was like was was we was when when Miz was older, we was we weren't even teenagers yet. Miz is like older than some of the dudes we looked up. Two growing up over here. So Miz didn't come on Arlington and hang out with the six? No. No, I don't remember Miz. Do you remember when Miz was actually a 9-0 Hoover? I remember when all of them was 9-0 Hoovers. We, it was really, to be honest with you, you really couldn't tell no difference. Like, if you was growing up in that era, it was 9-0 Hoovers. It was 9-0 Gangsters. It was like, it was, um, it was an era when people were just really starting to decide. When the 60s and the 8 trades went to beefing, that's really what made people start having to be on a certain side. I hear people talk about it all the time, but 
to keep it 100 it wasn't really no it wasn't really no way to say you was this you was that because you had dudes who was 13 14 who was teenagers claiming shit like these dudes right now we went through an era in the 60s niggas were talking about they was posers they was sex jerks and they was all this different shit but you know what i mean it was somebody just really trying to identify themselves and what broke was really after the beef with the 60s made la really become you had to be solid in what you was because dudes was gonna bang on you had to have a base let's, let's bring it back to the old days arlington give us give us a roll call of the kids you grew up with on arlington arlington starting with the people that was in the house that is big chili capone he was like the boss of the squad um benzo samaje more me uh uh big slim little slim more then it would be smooth it would be big f-bone um andre sparks the sparks brothers andre stanley sparks it would be um rennie Renton. It got killed. It would be, uh, like I say, Lil F-Bone down the street. It would be um, Austin, um, Sean. Then it would be, who was that? I said Big D. After that would be, who we consider to be that, would be around the corner would be uh, our little crew because we took them. We took them under us. That would be Anthony Washington, uh, Maurice, uh, Lil Chill Capone, uh, P head was on the P head was on um, the Van Ness side. Um, let's see. I don't want to leave nobody else. Then you got GB on the corner, Anthony Wooder. You got even what's crazy is we used to little bitty uh, little bitty uh, what's his name play basketball with us. He eventually hammering <laughs> his little fat butt. So let's, let's let's take it back to the 1970s on Arlington. You guys landed on Arlington. What gangs were on Arlington at that time? No gangs on Arlington. When no gangs on Arlington. So it's it's funny how the hood is, right? It's um it's it's we on this side of Arlington. We on the Slauson side of Arlington, and then the, the big homies on the other side of Arlington was was Arlington boys. They said before us they was older than us, so they could say what they want to. You know what I mean? We just the babies, but we never knew nothing about them. They older than us. Like that's Big Rick. Um, me and C Dub go through all this all the time. Big Rick, C Dub, and all of them. They like the first ones to say Arlington from what we being told. But we, I say they gave it the name, but we definitely gave it the fame. Were, we, were the kids on the Slauson side? Were you guys AGs or were you guys Arlington hustlers? No, we went through a hustler phase. You know what I mean? We really was like Chili Capone was really on that hustler thing, and um. You know, if you look at all Chili Capone pictures, he had the he had the rabbit, and and and, and that was like that that hustler thing. That was like you know, we went through the hustler phase, and and but we was the ones, you know, what I'm saying like after '81, it was like we weren't we weren't really trying to be because really the homies didn't get dressed just to keep 100. It was it was it was really kind of a uh uh if you was a crip, you was just. A certain way you dress a certain way and you had to stay in a certain stigma and you had to be a certain way we was we was really like we was players and hustlers you know what i mean so we go places and every time we go somewhere somebody gonna ask us like where y'all from we from ag and like where that's at that's on orange and slosser ain't that by the 60s so y'all 60s yeah we 60s yeah fuck it. 
and we go from there. Because we all can squabble. You know what I mean? We all did martial arts, the whole family fought. We trained on a regular basis. That's where, in that, in that house in Arlington, everybody had to go to karate. So whose decision was it out of the Arlington crew on Slauson to cross over and join the Rolling 60s? Who was the first one to make that step and why? We always had this discussion, and I'm going to explain it to you. I think I probably was the first one to actually be more off Arlington and in the 60s because my mother and my, my mother and my uncle and them had conflicts, I, I couldn't come on Arlington. Or if it was something having on Arlington, I couldn't come over. So I used to stay at Horace House all the time, Horace and Benny. So I stay over there, I come over here, and then I lived at, um, at, um, at uh, Kincaid and Slim House. Because my, my sister was best friends with Kincaid, with Kincaid and them sisters. So she would come to my house sometime and I'd go to her house. I spent more time off of Arlington than, than everybody else did. So I was running with the homies, you know what I mean, because I had to. Because if my mama was mad, I couldn't come on the block. Or if I did something or whatever had you, if I thought my auntie then was going to tell on me or something, I wouldn't come over here, you know what I mean? What's the age difference between you and Little Slim? No, nah, it's months. It's like Slim is two months older than me. Two, Slim is two months older than me. Benzo Jeff is two months older than me. It's, Six months older than me. Uh, I'm the youngest side of all of all of us, out of all the cousins. Is, is Slim the first dead homie off of Arlington? No, Chili Capone. Chili Capone was the first one to get killed in '84. Chili Capone got killed in '84 at Sweet Bees, and that really I was in, I was out of town. I got kicked out of town. Slim was in jail. Enzo was in jail. I want to say. I want to say Big D may have been in jail. Um, I think the only one may have been on the street was, was Bronco T. Big F one was on the street, but that was in 84. So when I came home in 84, that kind of shaped my mentality towards the hood and towards the homies and towards everything. You know what I mean? With, with Chili Capone. But Chili Capone was the first one to get killed out of us, out of AG. Last time we interviewed you, we walked through this alley and you was telling us about an incident in this alley. Kwame got killed? I mean, yeah. Big Kwame got killed. Yep. Was he off the AG or just a home? Nah, Kwame was, we claimed Kwame. Like, Kwame was off of uh, Haas. So it was uh, Kwame, like Stone, like Kwame, Stone, um, Footnick, Lorenzo, and all them was lit on that side. So when we got old enough to get strong enough to really forge a name, you know what I mean? Them, them older dudes would claim us. They would claim what we were saying. And it was funny how, you know what I mean, my first time ever hearing Stone say, hey, G, you know what I'm saying? And that's when we was living in the hills. And then, but Stone was our big homie, without a doubt. He was my big homie. So Stone could have said, we're going to be the tree climbing crypts and we was gonna be the tree climbing crypt. You know what I mean? Because I just had so much respect for him. You know what I mean? Why, why Stone? Why'd you have so much respect for Stone? Man, I remember one I'm be honest with you, Stone was the epitome of it, man. Stone I remember one day we was uh standing right here, Stone was mad. We was all on Arlington. And I don't know what had pissed Stone off and what they had did to Stone and Jack in the box. But Stone knocked the windows out of that Jack in the box with his hands. He hit the windows, bro. Hit the windows and put a hole in the windows. 
two of them windows. Look, they, they, they say Stone originated off the east side. Yeah, he did. Do you remember him as a kid on Arlington? Or mm -hmm. you know when he landed in the 60s? I know when he landed in the 60s when he started beefing with Big Snoop. You know what I'm saying? Man, he had he had a big he had a knockdown dragout fight with Big Cat. Who? Stone. They all was on Stone here. They used to be beefing with Stone. When, when did you meet Stone? What year? Shit, Stone used to mess with Big F Bone's sister, and uh, so Stone came on Arlington all the time. He's so he was. It wasn't like we met him. It was like you know. Stone was an enigma, man. Stone was a light-skinned dude with green eyes who could squabble like a motherfucker. This is my thing. Did you meet him as a as an Arlington hustler, or you met him when you was already a bonus? No, I met Stone as a kid. He was an Arlington shit. <laughs> no, I met Stone as a kid, bro. I I mean, you know, Stone was Stone was Stone was our big homie. Stone, Andre Sparks, uh, uh, everybody had something different. And then Lorenzo was the first one. Like, I think to be honest with you, when when Rennie got killed, it made everybody on this end get tighter. Cause then they came and started knowing, recognizing who they soldiers were. Cause they was basically like, they was basically like, it's time for y'all, you know, ain't no more playing. Like, you know what I mean? Because when the war started with us and the A Trades, right? Wasn't nobody on our side got killed yet until Rennie got killed. And then and it got put on a trade. And after that, it was uh uh it wasn't no more like it wasn't no more innocence. And I and I think I said in the last in the last interview I was talking about the difference between us and the VNGs. We got hardened faster than they did. And the homies was like, Oh you niggas it's time for y'all to go. You know what I mean? Go as and put in work. Go put in work. What kind of case did you have that landed you in forty eight hundred? <laughs> Tell us what forty eight hundred is. Man, I had a lot of, I had a lot of murders. I had a lot of cases. You know what I mean? Well, you know that's what it was. It was, uh, it was I fought a lot of, a lot of hot ones. That's what put me in forty eight hundred. And that was nineteen eighty five. Was I got caught in eighty five? I got caught in eighty five, and uh, I fought them cases for like. First, I started in HOJJ. And then, because they had, had me as a keep away from uh, whack now, then I ended up making it to 4800. And at 4800, like I said, was was uh, a crypt module. 4800 was like uh, one of the hardest situations you will ever see as a human being. To me, 4800 was an experiment on ignorance. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was what, 18 when I got there. My first, my first weekend there, I never forget it when I first when you open the door at 4800, I saw you here. You see a gush of wind, and it, it's a gush of wind, whoosh. And then all you hear is a bunch of a bunch of men. It sounds like a, 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 a insane excitement, and because every, everybody talking and hollering over the over the over the tea, and you just thinking to yourself like, "Damn, nigga, did I make it to hell?" Because everything you thinking is like then it, when you look down the tier, you see shit throwing over the tier, and you see mother's hands out the bars. 
and then you thinking like this is some real crazy shit. And then you you 18 and you feel like you're ready for it. And in my age, I felt like I had I wanted to go to 4800 because I felt that's where you had to go to prove yourself. Were you on Abel Baker, Denver, or Charlie? I was on Abel. I only role I wasn't on is Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, when I first got to 4800, I come in 4800. I'm I was on uh HOJ in the main line. I got like seven bags. And if you had to, you had to be in 40, I got like seven weeks. had like trash bag, net bag with all kind of cigarettes, candies, um, Zuzus and Wham-Wams. I had amassed and acquired and acquired while I was on the main line. So when I first get to 4800, they put me on Baker Road. So the homies was on lockdown. They had just got through having a ride with the police. So they had a big ass ride with the sheriffs. So they had been on lockdown like two weeks. So cigarettes is going for maybe one pack of cigarettes is probably going for like, what, 40, 50 bucks or something? I'm not, I can't really remember the number. But one, one candy was going for $5. Who were the, who were the, homies, who were the homies that greeted you when you got there? Who nobody, because I didn't tell nobody who I was. Because when I first get to 4800, right, we in the day room. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in my bags and so the, the homies on the line is like, so the first person I see is Slowpoke. I get on him, and I see Hoover Sam. It's Hoover Sam, Slowpoke. We say so Slowpoke. You're talking about A-Trey Gangster. Yeah, a Me and him had words. And then uh, I see uh, uh, Baby Gangster. Only one I really knew was Baby Gangster from Compton Crip. And uh, so Baby Gangster, like, he, he, he immediately, immediately knew who I was. He like, bro, you got to go over on that side. I'm going I'm I'm to tell them move you on that side. Because, you know, you don't know where to go. When you, when they got it, when you when you first come in, the dudes, the tier tenders or whatever, the porters, whatever we call back then, got to say what side you're going to go on. Either you from 60s, you from Hoover, you from whatever, and they're going to say this is where you go. So he told me I was going on Baker Road, day room. So I went on Baker Road, day room. So Hoover Sam, them, all, the, all the porters and tier tenders lined up on the wall. Because I'm the only nigga come in. With bags, and he like, man, um, you want to sell some of that shit? I said, nah, man, hold on. I'm gonna gotta find. I'm like, and I, but I'm listening. I can hear the homies down the tier. I hear Wack Voice. I hear F Bone. I hear Lil Looney. I'm listening. I hear Kita Rock. I can hear niggas exchanging because you know niggas talking over the tier, and I hear Big Cat way down the down the thing. I hear Mad. So I'm listening to all the homies. So then I'm like, man, man, send this kite down there. To, I send a kite to Wack. I sent one to Kitty Rock and I sent it and I'm like, don't tell nobody I'm here. And Wack like, oh, is that you with all them bags? And I'm like, he sent it back and he's like, this nigga Kitty Rock get on the chair. Dante, you better send me a bag, cuz. I'm like, so I don't even ask the Kitty Rock ass. He don't call me, he don't say Big U, but he said my real name though. So I'm bagging shit up, sending them niggas back. And Wack like, nigga, don't sell nobody none, don't get them tear to the shit. I'm gonna run all that shit. I'm like, all right, cuz, whatever. Ooh. So I'm sitting in the homies' bags. So while I'm sitting in the homies' bags, I'm in there with a bunch of niggas from different sets. And so Cutting is in there. We in there, but I don't know the prison rules. So a lot of dudes have been to prison. So I don't really, I'm new to, I'm new as my first time, you know, being locked up. So I'm looking at, I'm, my mentality ain't, as, ain't, ain't, ain't prison yet. You know what I mean? So I'm not cleaning up, throwing the trash. And then that's when Rockhead come in. Rockhead from uh, Santana Block. And uh, the homies all know who I am now. They didn't want the child. I've been there two days. Rockhead come in. Rockhead, the next, one morning, when Rockhead get there, 
they, it's like all these niggas just come from everywhere. All the Crip niggas. And they all like, like this nigga was God or somebody or something. And um, when we get in there, Rockhead get to making all these niggas in the tank, start working out and exercising, busting down. And they looking at me, I'm like, nigga, I don't do none of that shit. And it was Rocky. I'm like, man, I don't know who this nigga is. You know what I'm saying? This nigga like this big. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, man. I'm... So the homies is like, Charles, I know you're not down there working out. I ain't working out with none of these niggas. I don't know what these niggas are doing, right? You got to remember I'm fresh. I don't know what CCO, Blue, no, I don't know none of this shit. All I know is these niggas can't whoop me. Period. Period. It's like six, seven of them niggas. They can't whoop me. That's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So I'm throwing shit, throwing trash. Rockhead trying to talk to him. I'm like, man, you know, I'm ignorant. I'm fresh home. All I know is squabbling. I, nigga ain't, and I feel like I'm in my environment. You know what I mean? Like, you ain't going to fuck with me with no knife. I don't care who you is. Thank you for bringing it. And Rocky, them niggas had Rocket. Rocket had them niggas cleaning up. Did you understand why they were following Rockhead's lead? I didn't know none of that. I didn't have no clue who Rockhead was. No, but what was even, what was even funny to that was, all of the other niggas who was supposed to be somebody, like all the tear tender niggas, who was the niggas that was free to walk around the jail and move around. When 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 he came, it was like them niggas all went down and not. So I'm just looking at like who 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 this nigga is. Like who is this nigga? Like, but then he was giving them niggas instructions. So he tell a story different. I tell a story. So anyway, make a long story short, I end up beating up the niggas in the tank. He left and went, um, cause he, he was the only nigga that was coming to get out. I'm like, damn nigga, I need to get out on this motherfucker here too. But they came and got him one day and me and the nigga that was in the tank got into it over some shit. I don't even know. I don't know. I probably was knowing me, I was doing some stupid shit. I don't know. Tell tell the truth, cause I was like just just like that. And um when he came, they went and got him, but I was beating up like three niggas in the tank. I'm beating these niggas up. And then he come, they all come, they all talking, and they and um Whack like nigga, y'all niggas don't talk to my own boy. Who and whacking like, what's that? Nigga? I said, man, nothing. I got these niggas sitting on the toilet, and I just had them niggas sitting in the back of the uh, madam. I made them all sit in the back of the day room. You know how you got to sit in the corner where the tables. You know how the tables is. I made them niggas all sit in the back. I beat all them niggas up. Rocking like, man, that ain't how we do it. Crip, ooh, I said, man, yeah, whatever. Was there anything about the structure that was given that you used later on to to apply at that time? It wasn't no at that time, like I said, I was I was 18. I was fresh in that. I was fresh in there. I had like six murders or I don't know how many murders. I had so many cases, I wouldn't really. You know your mind, your mentality was like, I'm knowing I'm going to the pen. I ain't finna listen to nobody but my homeboys. I mean, I had heard about the different prison gangs, but I didn't know who Rockhead was to that. You gave me about five names, right? And I always say the names always determine the character of the individual that's given, right? So what name that was given inside 4800 that the best apply to you? Motor Mouse. I mean, the question you were asking, because when Motor Mouse came down, when Motor Mouse came down from the pen, he was he was like, he, he was, it was, I was already, I'd already been, I'd already been rolling, I'd already been, I knew prison. I mean, I knew, I mean, I knew, I knew the county jail, so I was already laced. So when Mouse came down, Mouse was the one who was like, bro, that shit over with. Mouse was like, it's over with. He was like, man, these niggas got, got your name on the list. They're going to try to, you know, recruit you and all this. Like, 
Motormouth, it was Motormouth to me about as far as prison game. Ex explain to us who Motormouth is and explain to us when he said it's over there. What does that yeah. mean? So Motormouth came down about, I went in like 85, 86. Motormouth might have came like right before I came home in like 87. I don't, can't remember exactly when he came down. But Mouse was the man in the CCO. And when he came down, he he we was all in the cell. He was like he was like man, he was wanted to holler at me, but he was already you know hollering, hollering at all the different dudes. It was whatever they whatever they thing was. That was that was like they thing going. And I guess Fort Eight Hundred was like the recruiting ground for what was going on, like starting dudes off. I don't know. You got to remember, I'm a young I'm a young nigga then. I don't know like none of them the the hierarchy. I can only tell you from somebody who's on the outside. I was nowhere in the ranks, nowhere. I just was the young nigga who was just, you know what I mean? And they already, I guess in 87, they was, in, uh, um, in 87, it was probably on the decline. I do not know. I could not address that. But when Mouse came down, Mouse was like, nah, we, none of my little homies doing that. Was it necessary? For what? To CCO, Blue Note, Blue Magic? No, Blue well, I'm going to be honest with you. When I got to the pen, I didn't go to see, I, I, I got out in 87. So from, 1980, from, from 1987, all the way to 91 is when I actually got to the pen. And then that's when I actually got to the pen is when I actually experienced CCO, Blue Notes, and all that. So so it was a it was a span in between there. So I wasn't a kid when I actually got to the pen. When I actually got to the pen, I was already structured through the Nation of Islam. So by the time I got to the pen, I had already new structure. I'd already been reading, I'd already been studying. Uh, my first time getting a book that really changed me was reading Malcolm X autobiography. And then from there, me and Lil Fee, Lil Fee used to always send me books to read and book, go read this book, read that. And me and Lil used to talk on the phone all the time. So mentally, as far as being structured and, and, and growing, into, growing into manhood, I was already there. You know, but when I got to the pen, though, like I said, man, I'll be honest with you, I feel like there was a need for CCO, Blue Nose, and all that. I feel like knowing as a youngster, and knowing what it was, we would have never had a place in prison had the CCOs in the blue, had that, had that never came. It wouldn't have never been able to, we'd have never been safe in there. Would Mercurial best describe that? Mercurial was like somebody who's unpredictable, changeable, kind of got moods, but at the same time, they lively, quick, and clever. Would that best describe CCO or some of the things that you witnessed in 4800? Well, no, nah, no, nah, 4800 was sick. I wouldn't even put CCOs with 4800. I would say 4800 in itself was a different, was a whole different sickness. Because them niggas wasn't moving right in 4800. What I was seeing from some of the dudes who was coming down was, because my, my feeling towards a lot of niggas who was coming down from the pen was they was really just coming down to feed on the young niggas who was just coming to jail. Like, it was a lot of niggas raping niggas. Recruit. It was a lot of niggas. It was either recruiting niggas, raping niggas, and doing shit like that. 4800 wasn't cool to me. So it was no structure in 4800. It wasn't no structure in 4800. And it couldn't have been, it would have been hard to be structured in 4800 because too many people was coming and going. It wasn't like, it wasn't like you was guaranteed to be there for five years, six years. You don't know. You, your case can get dropped tomorrow and you didn't establish what it's going to look like in your car and then you gone. You know what I mean? And your car going to fall apart. As soon as certain people leave, certain people come. You got homies that was, there was you got homies that, you got to remember, you got homies who was crackheads on the streets. 
really going through crack issues, who have been sober now two, three years, and finally getting their right mind back. But then you got a young nigga like me who coming in there who ain't never been high, who ain't never been on no drugs. And you want to be able to tell me what to do. And that ain't how that going to happen. Because I know you. I know, like, nigga, as soon as you go home, you're going to be back on this shit. Let me ask you something about 4800. You were in there. Did any wars ignite while you was in there? Any tribalism? <laughs> what? Plenty. <laughs> I mean, look, I'd be remiss to tell you. It was so many of them. It was us and, us and everybody and them and everybody. It was us and, I mean, you know. I think the most famous one everybody talk about is when we, when the police orchestrated a, a, um, a, war, a, a fight between us and the gang. Thanks everybody for checking out Big U Part 1. Appreciate you all. Appreciate the time you've given me. Be sure to check out the videos on Kev Mac Videos on YouTube. Have a good day.